Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the first hour, encourage you to listen to it uh, later via podcast. You can find that at MyFaithRadio.com or you can subscribe to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Encourage you to do that. Um, Today, uh, the world saw an unprecedented event in the history of the Roman Catholic Church, which is a long history. Um, earlier today, Pope Francis presided over the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI. So the funeral marked the first occasion in modern times that a um, Catholic pontiff had presided over the funeral of his predecessor. So the first ever um, for a pope who resigned. Benedict was the first pope in almost 600 years to resign the position rather than hold the office for life. He died at the age of 95 Um, on the final day of 2022 at a monastery in Vatican City. So here's something from today's service that I want to highlight for you, because there's this ongoing conversation here in the United States about something called human composting. It's now legal in six states, including the state of New York. Um, You can read more about that. I have lots of links in today's show notes um, on the topic of human composting and how people view it. It, it's, it, it, it's as a part of that conversation that I want to read this portion of the reporting um, about the, the funeral of the Pope today. And it's about the coffin and what's included and how he's laid to rest. And I, I just want to bring this into conversation or into your awareness today um, so that you can be equipped for both a conversation about really how extraordinary um, this event is in the life of uh, of the history of the world in terms of this particular funeral and the way that it took place and the pomp and circumstance related to it and the beauty and simplicity of it. But then also, you know, like bring that into conversation about, well, why are we doing this for this guy? And um, and other people were saying, oh, you know what? Um, they can become compost. <clears throat> so that's my um, uh, tee up for here, this to hear this paragraph. The coffin of the late Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth was sealed in a ritual in St. Peter's Basilica on Wednesday evening after some 200,000 pilgrims had finished paying their respects uh, to the Pope. Um, as uh, tradition holds, the Pope Emeritus, um, uh, the, the pallium, which is, uh, would be the pall, would be the, um, the covering of the coffin, coins and medals that were minted during his pontificate, which that's a fun word just to learn to say, as well as... Um, Uh, this deed summarizing the highlights of his papacy, which were written in Latin and sealed inside the casket. So there's a lot going on there in terms of what's um, included in the casket, folded in there before uh, before the coffin is sealed. There was a requiem mass held on Thursday, um, and then his coffin was transported through the basilica to the Vatican crypt for burial 
um, in the first tomb of John Paul II. So this is a, you know, this is to give you like directions. If you were ever to get to go visit, this is how you would find um, his um, his burial site. He was buried in the traditional triple coffin with caskets made of cypress, cypress wood, zinc, and oak. So there you go. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there's a coffin inside a coffin inside a coffin, caskets made of cypress wood, uh, zinc, and oak. Um, why tell you all that? Well, because it's a good day to have a conversation about life and death and how your life is going to be celebrated at death and maybe how you might um, make plans for that and conversations about, yep, human composting, because that is a growing trend across the country. Again, all of the links to these conversations are in today's show notes. I encourage you to download those later at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. But now I'd like to turn our attention to um, a growing concern. It has always been a concern, but a growing concern across the country in each and every one of our own communities. Um, And that is the challenge of people who are homeless, people who are living unsheltered or unhoused. Um, There are alarm bells being raised across the country, um, and organizations that serve people who are homeless are raising concern about a wave of new bills that they see as unfairly targeting people um, without housing. We have heard about efforts in cities and states across the country. There are probably some in your own community. I know of no one better positioned to talk with us about this than John Ashman. He's the president of the CityGate Network. He joins us next. You did not have a home There were places you visited frequently Took off your shoes and you John Ashman joins us. He's the president of the CityGate Network. You can find John and what he's working on at citygatenetwork.org. John, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Yeah, I think um, a general update on the status of people who are living um Unhoused, um, homeless in the nation uh, today would be helpful. Give us a sense of the scope and then um, and then take us into some of what's happening across the country in terms of how local communities, cities and states are um, seeking to address the challenges that they face. Well, homelessness has been with us in North America for um, decades and decades, of course. Uh, the numbers back in the early uh, 20th century were not that high. And uh, most people called folks who were homeless back in those days hobos. And they would go from town to town, usually in rails. And uh, the numbers started increasing. And uh, there were a lot of reasons for that. Uh, you had people coming home from World War II with post-traumatic stress disorder and not being diagnosed and ended on the streets. Uh, in the uh, 60s, you had new drugs coming onto the market and causing people to just lose their grip on reality. Uh, In the uh, 70s, we opened the doors on what we called insane asylums and let people onto the streets because we thought we had psychotropic drugs that would help them uh, stay sane and uh, in the care of friends or small group uh, settlements. Uh, And then we started getting so many people coming with uh, the excesses of the 80s and more drugs and and alcohol and all of the things that help people lose their their grip on what's going on in life. A lot of them falling through the cracks. Uh, And then you have uh, folks coming 
into the country who uh, don't have people to connect with and end up going from place to place. And and so across the country, you have numbers that uh, we have never seen in this country. Uh, you ask pe- folks how many fo- people are homeless, and the big problem in Washington, D.C. is everybody has a different set of numbers. Uh, they put the numbers up there to, to, to kind of help their own cause uh, the, the most recent uh, numbers that uh, the, the Department of Housing and Urban Development have put out, uh, they've come, come back up from 530,000 to uh, 580,000. I think we saw recently the uh, University of Chicago put out, uh, they just said between 500 and 600,000. When we talk to folks in CityGate Network, our, our 300 plus member organizations, um, many will say, yeah, in North America, there's probably a million people on any given night if you get rid of all of the uh, the caveats that people have when they give you numbers. What's happened most recently, Carmen, is um, uh, you know the COVID, of, of course, and what COVID did is it, uh, it caused this uh, reset with people who on the streets. Uh, many of our missions, which were already full, uh, all of a sudden had folks coming out of prison and no place to go. They'd come to the mission. Uh, kids would show up at a mission and say, "Mom set us down. Uh, we're we have nothing in the house to eat because we can't go to work." And we hear you love Jesus, you'll feed us. And on top of all these people who are coming off the streets and up from the riverbanks and have been sleeping rough, as they call it, what you end up with is uh, uh, the government saying you can't have as many people in there because of COVID. And and so some of them came and went. And thankfully, we had a lot of collaboration and missions working with other social service agencies and other ministries that really helped uh, in that whole situation. But now that's coming to an end because we have eviction moratoriums uh, uh, kind of coming to their sunset and the CARES Act money is running out and our missions are seeing people come back in force. John, um, we want to talk with you about things we're hearing about across the country in terms of efforts in particular cities, um, big cities, New York City, L.A., um, San Francisco, where you know there are efforts to get people who are homeless off the streets and um and we want to talk with you about what we're reading what we're hearing um and your reaction and response to those things um to help us better understand where we are at this moment in time and then I'd love for you to equip us to um positively respond in our own communities we're going to continue our conversation with John Ashman he is president of the CityGate Network here in just a moment on Mornings with Carmen. Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks a lot. We are We're continuing our conversation with John Ashman. He is president of the CityGate Network. You can find John and um, the the network at citygatenetwork.org. John, in New York City, the mayor there has faced um, pretty significant backlash for seeking to move homeless people into, um, to to hospitalize them involuntarily. Um, Her first act as mayor of L.A., uh, Karen Bass, uh, declared the homeless crisis a state of emergency in San Francisco. The city is seeking to 
um, move homeless people off the streets. Um, there's a there's a court order related to that now. It just there's a lot going on. We're talking about major cities, um, but in cities like my own, I mean, I live in Nashville, and today. Um, a large number of people who have been living in a park called Brook Mead, um, today they're being relocated by the city. And so there's a lot going on. People um, don't always know exactly how to respond. Can you, I mean, help us at a feelings level, help us at a, at an understanding level, just help. We need help. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cause and effect going on here. We've just come through an election cycle and what has happened is we we've had a toleration of what's going on in these major cities, Seattle, Portland, all the way down the coast to San Diego, and even on the East Coast and, and cities like your own Nashville. And, and uh, it, it's it's been something that folks have been willing to uh, show compassion for, but that's reached the tipping point. It started to do that uh, even before COVID, but now since COVID and everybody's gone away, but as I mentioned in, in previously, uh, the eviction moratoriums and the end of the CARES Act money, people are coming back out onto the streets wherever they have been. And there's many places where they've been, but they're, they're now showing up in numbers in in areas where folks previously thought, oh, that's well, that homeless camp is cleaned up or whatever the case may be. And uh, then comes an election and you have uh, mayors like K- Karen Bass and Eric in, in, Cal- in L.A. and uh, Eric Adams in New York City who are making promises because uh, the homeless situation is now the number one issue in so many of these cities. And so the promises out there are we have to take care of this and it's, it's where I'm going to uh, to spend my time. And and that is what is happening now, and it is being covered. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the mental, mentally ill people that um, Eric Adams wants to institutionalize. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, people are up in arms over that because uh, well, all they see in their mind when you mention institutionalization is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You know, they, they, they're, they're, they're in picturing this is inhumane to put people in those situations. I was in a meeting in the White House in the previous administration. Uh, and in that meeting, Alex Azar from Health and Human Services and Ben Carson from HUD, um, many others were there. The president was actually even there. And we were talking about the the importance of reinstitutionalizing people with serious mental illness and uh, even when i say that uh, to talking to people or uh, in interviews and things people, there's this response like nothing could be worse and i say think about it what really is worse you have uh, a, a lady sleeping on wet cardboard she's cold and hungry and uh, and and unsafe and is is that worse than being nourished and warm uh, with with proper care in a bed somewhere? Uh, and and institutionalization is not what it used to be. And if it's done correctly, uh, that is the solution for a lot of the people who are, are are highly psychotic who are on the street these days. And when people say, "Well, how many?" People are psychotic on the street. Uh, Health and Human Services and HUD, uh, Housing and Urban Development, will tell you that um, 
of the homeless people that are out there, 16% uh, are addicted and, and the number was 20% mentally ill. I think they've they've upped that. It's 21, 22, uh, somewhere in that area. But then comes the UCLA study that says, what are you looking at? Uh, they're, they're saying UCLA study says in California, uh, the people who are mentally ill are in, in this low 70 percentile and uh, or, or with addictions are in the low 70 percentile. And those who are mentally ill are 74, 75, 76 percent. Uh, and the number keeps moving up. So it is a growing concern uh, of what's going on. COVID did not help. Uh, the addictions, the, the the stress, the anxiety, those numbers are are up uh, really high. Uh, these days, one in five Americans will experience a mental illness in their in, in any given year. Um, that's from the Center for Disease Control (CDC). National Alliance on Mental Illness says it's a little higher than that. Twenty-one percent uh, experienced mental illness in 2020, and uh, that number is up 23, 24 percent now. So we're seeing rises in numbers of people with mental illness, more people on the street, and it's kind of a perfect storm right now in many cities. Okay, John, what what do we do? Um, people want to be compassionate. We want to be helpful. We want to be gracious and kind. We want to serve the least of these um, among us. We want to be neighbor. We're also scared. I mean, I'm just going to flat out tell you, we're, you know, there's a fear. Um, and so uh, my, um, my, the likelihood of me stopping and inviting somebody to get in my car and taking them home with me, um, a lot lower than it used to be. The mental illness issue, the addiction issue, um, the safety of my own people, like on and on and on. So what do we do? Well, uh, from my perspective, I would say find a rescue mission, a a mi- similar ministry in your in your city where they are concentrating on this, where they are really working uh, to help folks in these conditions. Almost all of, of the rescue missions in CityGate Network have an addiction recovery program. Uh, getting them in there uh, is is not always easy. Uh, folks love to be independent and on the street. And uh, that's uh, supported by those who are advocates of a different way than from what uh, uh, Eric Adams is doing. But once you get folks in, uh, you, you start you start a trail of people and you're cutting a new stream. And so m- most of these missions are graduating uh, uh, thousands of people. Uh, from addiction recovery programs. And then I I think a a great sign that we're seeing is uh, about 30% of our members this past year uh, added mental health offices in their their facilities, Uh, something that they may not be running. They may be partnering with uh, an agency in their city, but there's mental health services being offered. I went to a mission one time and uh, saw people in line to get something to eat. And there was a man standing over there uh, talking to himself and pointing up at the ceiling and pointing down to the floor and nobody around. And I said to the director, what's uh, what's the story with that, that man over there? And he says, oh, that's Henry. He's uh, He's harmless. Don't worry about him. And I'm saying, yeah, but what about his condition? Has anybody ever done a mental health assessment? And uh, they did a, an assessment on him. They told me later, uh, brought, brought a clinic in and found out that uh, he just needed his meds tweaked. And uh, he he had moved to that city because his son lived there, but his condition got so bad, he had forgotten all of those things. So there is help in that area. 
Uh, one of the things that we we do with our missions is have um, some some great seminars. One of the best we've done recently is Dr. Matthew Stanford from the Hope and Healing Center Institute, probably the foremost expert on mental health and and faith. Uh, he's he's got a book called Madness and Grace. A practical guide for pastoral care and, and serious mental illness. And that's because the church is the first place most individuals will turn uh, when they have mental illness. You know, it's 11 years is the average wait for the onset of a mental illness till somebody seeks treatment. And the problem is so many uh, of the, our cities do not have proper places for men, for care. Uh, most people have to, to drive uh, far to to get that 155 million people uh, live in designated mental health professional shortage areas. And so we have, we have to come together and bring uh, people to centers where those things are, are available to them. John, will you, um, will you come back? I feel like we've just scratched the surface and we're out of time. Thank you for the recommendation about madness and grace. I'm going to um, look that up. We're going to, um, we're going to connect there. Um, this is not, you know, this is not a passing issue. This is this is a long-term embedded issue. We know from Jesus that the poor will always be with us. Maybe when you come back, we could talk about that. How do we how do we live um, with such abundance um, and yet alongside people who genuinely have nothing? And I, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about responsibility. I want to talk about grace and compassion. You, um, you are, uh, you, you know, you're engaged in this full time. Um, and so you have experiences and access and expertise that we desperately need. I'd be happy to come back, Carmen. Always thank glad you. to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's John Ashman. You can find him at citygatenetwork.org. We will have him back um, for a follow-up conversation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Just hold on to the promises. Hold on to the promises. Whew. All right. I don't know about you. That's one of those things when John Stone Street talks about it on Breakpoint, and I think to myself, I mean, really? Really? People are really spending their days doing that? And then you go and you look at the stats and you're like, yeah, millions of people are actually spending their time uh, online in fake relationships. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So um, let me encourage you to reconnect today with somebody in real life. Make one reconnection today. One person that you've lost touch with, one person that God brings to mind. Um, send them a text. Go the old fashioned way and actually, you know, like write them a card. Um, pick up the phone. Like actually make a real connection today with a real person. Um, could be somebody from your past, could be somebody at church, could be a neighbor, um, could be, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really care who it is. I just want everybody to do it. Make a reconnection today um, for no reason other than to make a real human connection. And you can tell them it was an assignment by the crazy lady that you listen to every morning <clears throat> on the radio. Um, word for the year. Do you have one? Are you a word for the year person? You know I am. You know that my my word for the year 2022 was purge. I was only marginally successful in terms of of purging, but 
Um, purging lots of things. But my word for the year for 2023 is peace. <sighs> peace. Peace. I'm going to speak it over you. I'm going to speak it over the year. I'm going to speak it over people. I'm going to sow it into conversations. Peace, 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 peace. I'm going to live um, in relationship to the Prince of Peace, and I'm going to submit myself to the peace that passes all understanding. Peace, 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 peace. What's your year for the word, uh, your word for the year. <laughs> We're going to talk with Vanitha Reisner next about how we come up with a word of the year for 2023 um, and, uh, and how we live into it. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. The word was and the word is and the word will be. Vanitha Reisner is back. She's the author of Walking Through the Fire, um, Helping the Hurting. You can find her at Vanitha.com. She's joining us today to talk about the the process of choosing a word of the year and why we need one. Vanitha, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's great to be here, Carmen. All right. Why have a word of the year? Well, I started a word of the year about um, a little more than a decade ago, just real, probably actually 15 years ago, because I used to do a ton of resolutions. And honestly, I couldn't even remember them two days after I had written them. I would go back to them, but then they were just gone really quickly. And I thought, I this isn't making sense for me. And I heard somebody, honestly, on the radio talk about their word for the year. And I thought, wow, that's a lot more doable for me. So it was probably January of 15 years ago, and I just started praying, and I thought, what should this be? Um, it's It's been easier for me to focus on one thing, whereas resolutions are often a ton of things, and they're overwhelming, and you sit down and write all the things that you'd like to see yourself do differently, but then I found I didn't do anything. So the word for the year really changed that for me, although honestly, Carmen, I still look back when I look at the year and I think, wow, I could have done a much better job. I heard you mention your word and thought, uh, and you said, well, I didn't do great. And I feel like I, that's how I feel at the end of every year. Like I wasn't stellar at it, but I did make some changes. So. Yeah, I could totally circle back around and do um, the same word every year. Um, But I also, like, right. But I also find that um, it's healthy for me to move on to a new word um, and you know, leave the old word in the, in the year that's passed. And, um, I, I find ways to integrate my word into lots of different things. And I do a kind of a searching of the scriptures related to the, to that word. And I just ask God to help me see opportunities to live into it in ways that might surprise me and delight him. Um, so talk a little bit about identifying, uh, a word for the year specific to you, um, and then some practices of living into it. Yeah. Well, I love what you do that you search the scriptures and, and I search the scriptures, but probably even in a different way. Like I have a repentance card that I pray every day. Like I have something I praise God for every day and I have lots of different things. And I have a repentance card of the things that I really need to, to sort of change my mind on, turn my life around on that I, I just see. And I often grab something from that in in a different way, not necessarily um, exactly what I'm repenting of, but I've found that when I sit with the things that I am asking God to change in my life, in my repentance, 
often those become some form of the word I want for the next year. So I can, you know, just ask God throughout the year, like, please help me with this. And, and that has been a hugely, um, that has impacted my own person probably more than anything else in terms of just remembering, wow, God is helping me work on this thing. And it's, it's often related to other people and how I treat them, whether I'm quick to take offense, whether I overlook. And so a lot of my words, as I've looked back, are things where I see like I take something and I hold on to it and I ruminate over it. If somebody has said something, it's like, I want to let that go. I want to live freely. And so often the word has to do with that. Like last year, my word was present. And I found that I multitask when I'm doing, even when I'm talking on the phone, I think, oh, I could, I can do this. And I'm not fully present with people and I'm not always present to what God is doing. And so for me, it's, it's often something that I think, wow, I want God to change this in me and something that I need to do. And other times though, it has been something that I'm looking forward to, something that excites me that I feel like, wow, God wants me to grab hold of this. So it's not always like something I need to repent of. It's sometimes what I want God to bring into my life in a, a really positive way. So I spend a lot of time in December just jotting down words. And as I'm reading scripture and as I'm doing things, I'm like, what is what is it, God, that you want to build into my life this year? And so I think it's one of the things that I've loved about it is it's this partnership with God because I can't pick a word and do anything with it. The only change really comes from the Lord. And so that has been really good for me to realize like this has to be a matter of prayer rather than a matter of like, what do I want to do? Because I can't do anything, but it reminds me to pray about it. So I, I have the word on a prayer card. I write the word in my office and I look at it. And so each time it reminds me to say, okay, God, help me to do this. And where do I need to do this? And, and what do you want me to see with this? And that's been the best reminder for me is just sort of a physical reminder and asking God in the morning, help me to do this. And that has, um, that's really been what's helped me. Vanessa, are you familiar with the game Boggle? where you have letters and then you try to create as many words out of those letters as you can. Yes. So I, when I, when I saw your post um, on your word for 2022 being present, mm -hmm. my word for 2022, and I saw the picture there um, and I see those blocks, those block letters, P R E S E N T. So my boggle mind immediately starts seeing other words in your word. And I see the word sent and the word rest and the word net and the word resent and the word tense and the word present and the word present and the word present like the gift. Um, I see the word set. I see the yeah mm. rest. Like I see so many words in that word. Um, and so I just think that in terms of giving one another ideas and um, the conversation related to our word is important as well. Um, I have opportunity every November to meet with a, a group of women. Um, it's the only time in the year that we meet. We don't see each other in between. Um, but this year, in preparation for the event, 
I just ask everybody, you know, what's one specific word I can pray for you in anticipation of being together? And it transformed our time together because in the lead up to it, I was able to associate that person with a word. And I didn't really know why their word was their word, but God knows. And so I think sharing our word with each other has like a strange profundity to it as well. And so um, my word for this year is peace. I'm wondering um, what your word for 2023 is. My word for 2023, it's actually a phrase, is love well. And it started off, I thought about love first, but that felt um, almost trite because we all talk about love so much. I, I Love well seemed like it fit better for me. And for me, it really is putting other people first and mm. not um, not wanting to be loved as much as to love. And that prayer of St. Francis of Assisi was kind of running through my head when I when I landed on that word was, um, you know, that we wouldn't want so much to be understood as to understand and not so much to be loved as to love. And I think I spend a lot of my time wanting to be understood and wanting to be loved in different ways and really wanting to love unconditionally and to think about what other people need to feel loved. And it's been neat because I thought about it in December and I wrote everybody um, on, on Christmas Eve, I wrote everybody a letter just telling them what I appreciate about them and putting it in their stocking. And I thought, mm. This is just one little way I can say, wow, I want to show you what I love and appreciate about you. And I often don't time, take the time to do that with my friends, with my family. And so that was one tangible way that I felt like, why don't we start now after I'd kind of determined my word carefully. Um, so it was. It, I find it's really good for me to do something very tangible quickly to sort of ground that for me, whether, you know, last year my word was present and just making sure that when I got on the phone, I wasn't doing something else, which is often what I do. And just intentionally saying, I'm sitting in a place where I'm not going to clean up or do anything, but just be with that person. So I All right, we're going to continue. I love that. We're going to continue um, talking about your word, love well. Um, we might get to my word as well. It's peace. What's your word? You can text us right now, um, 877-933-2484. Do you have a word for 2023? We could be um, praying that word um, for you this year. Again, text us your word for the year, 877-933-2484. We'll continue our conversation with Vanitha Reisner in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Vanitha Reisner. If you're not already signed up at her website, um, it's it's really an encouragement and a delight. Vanitha Dot com is what you're looking for. I'll put the links in the show notes today. Here are some words you have offered um, this morning already. And so let me encourage you, if you have a word for the year, text it in 877-933-2484. Here are some of the words offered up. Self-control, joy, persevere, seek, hidden in Christ, joy, light, and then this uh, brief testimony from a listener in Atlanta. 
She says, wow, you're already transforming the day down here. I was listening. Um, I heard the word of the day. Uh, Carmen, I heard you tell us your word is peace. I walked into Panera. I asked my lady um, who told me Happy New Year, and I said, well, do you have a word for the year? And she said, yes, I do. My word is peace. So there you go. I have a sister in Atlanta who is uh, whose word is also peace. What's your word for the year? Share it with us uh, on the text line 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. Um, Vanitha, when you said that your word for the year is is a phrase, love well, um, I was reminded of a conversation that I had um, once with a woman in recovery, and the passage of scripture that God had really used to restore and redeem her um, was the woman at the well, and she describes that as the love well. And so if you need an image for your year of loving well, I'm just going to invite you to go every day to the love well. Wow. I love that. Right? That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She, she wow. described, she said, you know, it's one thing to um, talk about living water. It's another thing to just live in the place where you know it's accessible every single day. Hmm. And yeah, I know. And so for her... To be able to experience the love of God and allow herself to be loved well was huge for her because of her past traumas um, and some of her own life choices as a result of those traumas. But um, she just experienced, you know, the love of Christ and how well he loved, and she just wanted to go every day to the love well. Wow. And I I love that, Carmen, because I think about you know, this woman probably felt ostracized. And yet when she was loved so by Jesus, she went out to her community and loved them and said, mm-hmm. let me tell you about a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Like she was just overflowing with God's love and could love others um, because of that. Yeah, wow. no doubt. That's I'm- exactly right. I know. and And, and obviously her testimony has stayed with me because as soon as you said those words, like God brought that back, like as this like flooded memory, right? I just, I can see her. I can, yeah, I can revisit that space and time. Um, It's such a gift. And so having a word opens up conversations with others. Um, And so, yeah, thank you for sharing your word and thank you for sharing the power of having a word um, I'm wondering, um, Vanitha, just to transition subjects here briefly for a moment. Um, you are uh, you are a person acquainted um, with suffering. Um, you have walked through experiences in life that are challenging. Do you have a word of encouragement this year to people who, to the person who's listening, um, who's looking at 2023 and really does not yet see hope and light? Hmm. Yeah, I would say press into God. It's funny that you ask that because I read through the Bible every year and um, I'm in Psalm 5 on the fifth day of the year. And um, one verse that just struck me so much this morning is verse three, in the morning, I plead my case to you and wait expectantly. And and I had just written that on a little um, sticky that I have in front of me. Um, and, and watch expectantly, I'm sorry. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. And I think just keep going to God and watch. I think God is doing a thousand things and he is doing something through 
through your suffering, even though maybe you can't see it right now, but watch for signs of God's goodness in your life. They are there. And I think when we look for them, we find them. But when we look at our problems, which I'm sure for so many people who are listening are so huge, and that's all we look at, though, then we forget to notice the glimmers of grace that God is offering us. And so that's what I would say to people who are starting this year, thinking, where is God? And my trouble and my trials are so much bigger. And maybe they don't even want to choose a work for the year because it just feels like it would be hopeless. And yet I would say, plead your case with God. Expect that he is listening and answering and watch to see how he is answering your prayer. Mm. I love that. I, I I love that you invite us to plead our case. I think there are times that we... Um, we don't do what the psalmist does. And so I love that you're reading through this, you know, I, I love that you're reading through the Bible and that, you know, today's the fifth day of the year, so you're in Psalm 5. Um, and there's so much pleading, right, in mm. the Psalms. Um, and so thank you for sharing all of that and highlighting, um, you know, some of your own spiritual practices. It's it's so helpful to have people that walk with us as disciples, um, no matter where we are along the path. And Thank you for sharing um, the parts of the path that have been challenging in the past and the ones that you're walking now. Um, thank you for doing that so faithfully at your website and through your ministry. I genuinely appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Carmen. And I don't know if we have time, but I would love to know why you chose the word peace if we have time. Yeah, so I, <clears throat> you may not know me well enough to know this yet, but I have a tendency to give people a piece of my mind. And that's <laughs> not what they need. They need the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. And so part of it is um, about living in peace and allowing peace to rule not only in my heart, but in my home and to be a person of peace in all environments. Um, I, I, I actually like confrontation. And so there are times when I should be a person of peace, but my um, personality inclination is to, you know, stir the pot I just know these things about myself, and so this is the word that God gave me for the year, and I don't know all of the ways in which it will unfold, but um, being a person who sows peace and seeks peace and makes peace um, are the parts that I know are kind of on my side of the work, but resting in the peace of Christ that passes all understanding um, is the part I know I'm I'm supposed to be allowing him to do in in me and for me. So thank you for asking. Yeah. Hey, let's um let's talk again and let's not have it be a year from now. Let's have it be sooner oh. than that. Would that be good? I would love that. I would love that. Right. This is always so much fun for me. So great. Thank you. That's Vanitha Reisner. You can find her at Vanitha.com. Text me your word for the year at 877-933-2484. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Subscribe to the podcast. That's where you get all of the show notes for every day. Um, Wherever you subscribe to your podcast, you can subscribe to Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.